Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nuggets burger of Sunday voor maar 1 euro per stuk? En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King. Hello everyone, welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast. Uh, this week we're gathered full squads back, Tony Scott, Gavin Buckland, myself Greg O'Keefe and our Everton correspondent Phil Kirkbride and we're here to talk about an arrival of sorts, certainly an important one, Steve Walsh who uh, as we as we record this podcast um, is on the brink of becoming Everton's new, we think, uh, head director of football, head of recruitment, whatever the title uh, clearly an important cog in the machine going forward under Farhad Mashiri. Um and something really I think Phil that you know should fill fans with some optimism. Yeah, certainly in terms of the speed at which maybe Everton will now conduct their transfer business. Obviously it's been speed and transfers. It's been slow, isn't it, painfully at times. Um I think the initial feeling was that, that Ronald Koeman would be given the reins to kind of conduct transfer business as he saw fit this summer as they kind of took their time over this appointment after it became clear that Monchi was off the table. But obviously now the, the, the move for Steve Walsh has, has moved quickly and you know it kind of emerged on Friday, didn't it, that Everton were interested and as we sit here now on, on Wednesday going into Thursday, looks like it's going to get done. So you know it's, it's been a, a quick turnover of the weekend um, and I was expect now that, that this weekend, obviously after the Barnsley game or either side, uh, Ronald and, and Steve Walsh will be getting their heads together and you know some action and, and kind of the ball will will now get rolling on some serious transfer business. We did always suspect, and I remember we wrote it a couple of weeks ago, that it, it might take time. Yeah. You know, we didn't want it to take time and nobody wants it to take time. You want to get your transfers done and dusted, but this is a sort of exceptional circumstances Everton mm. build from from in that case the top down, but obviously building the foundations now on a new era, aren't they? So. Yeah. It was always patience, as, as much as it yeah. could be frustrating, was required. But Steve will come in, and he he's already you know, I'm not saying we're buying Leicester's transfer targets or anything like that, but he's he will have players in mind probably, which might fit with what Cumin wants to bring in. So you know, you hope now that we will see some movement. So just before we get into the specifics of of what it means, you messaged me last night, um, and it was quite quite a powerful kind of statement, really, about you know the comparison between. This summer and, and the past. Oh yeah, it's interesting when we look at it. I think we've had ground move failures in the past. We had different ownerships and different managers, and now looking on, we've got Ronald Koeman as our manager, a billionaire, invested in the club, and now we're on the brink of a new stadium in two years' time down the King's Dock. And now there's a football director in place ready for these obviously world-class players we're going to attract. It's a whole different ball game from what we've solely been used to, or what I've been used to following Evan for the last twenty odd years. So. This is a new new era for us, but um, going back to what we're talking about with Steve Walsh, it's an interesting one. Obviously, it looks as though the Monchi one went quiet, and then a lot of fans were expecting well, where the transfers coming from, and it was going to be left to Ronald Koeman single-handedly. 
But we, from what I've read up on what we're led to believe, that Ronald Koeman's transfers in the past when he's just single-handedly himself haven't been the best. So he needs the help of obviously someone who's known, especially in the Premier League, around the English table as well. It, it, does, it will help him and only enhance Everton's chances of attracting the, the current crop out there. Do you think after the fact that they're on the brink of appointing someone who's, um, who's well, he's English, nationality is irrelevant, I suppose, but you know, compared to Monchi, he'll know the Premier League and the requirements of the Premier League a lot more intimately. Um, and we've seen what he can do at Leicester, haven't we? Well, I was going to say, um, I think that's a good point. I mean, the, the requirements on how to win the Premier League, he knows about it. <laughs> let's face it, it's not how many people to get to employ at that level who have won the Premier League in whatever role. You know, so I think that that's good. Uh, so certainly in terms of like the type of player that that should be attuned to the, the, the you know the Premier League and what's required. I think I think he, he certainly shown with the signings at Leicester, you know, some perfect players for, for the Premier League. You know, um, Kante, you know, Vardy even. Um, the one I've no comments I'd make about it is. How do you think the director of football at Leicester works compared to the director of football at Everton works? Tony, you were talking about like the type of signings that we are expected to make mm. compared to the signings of like what Leicester are expected to make in terms of you know the good work that he did, you know buying you know you know you know those players. Is that a di- different test for him? Is he actually moving out? So I wouldn't say his comfort zone, but he's he's, he's actually looking at a different type of player and a different level, and will that be a challenge for him? I don't think it will because he was heavily involved in the transfers of SCN and Drogba when he was at Chelsea. So this won't be different to him. He can easily go out and pick a player. Yeah, he's 25 million, go and get him, where he can easily pick a drink water or a Vardy or a Mares or a Kante for buttons. Yeah. So he has experience in that field. Of if he wants to spend it, yeah, go and spend it. As long as that right player is available and Everton will make him the better player, then so be it. Don't, don't forget, the bottom line is that he's looking for good players. Yeah. yeah. So whether he, he decides that Everton should go and spend four hundred grand on another Mares because he thinks he's better than twenty five million on whoever, yeah. you know that's 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 the thing at the bottom line, isn't it? If he's good enough and thinks he's good enough, then he'll recommend him to the board uh, to be bought. Especially he's had spells at I think it was Newcastle, Chelsea, Hull, yeah. and Everton as well. Where do you think he's learned the most from? Would it, will he have been experienced at Chelsea? Would that set him up perfectly his, for Everton? His grounding was obviously as a part-time scout with Chelsea, wasn't yeah. it? When he was um, doubling up as, as a PE teacher, that was his full-time job. Um, but I think I think the thing that kind of must attract people to Steve Walsh is he's he's gone from the very bottom in the sense that he was non-league footballer a little bit, wasn't he? And scouted at that level with Barry Chester in the football league, then got a Chelsea job, and they weren't the you know the giants they are now, so to speak. But then then still being at the club and progressed as, you know, Ranieri came in at Chelsea, and then Mourinho, and he was working in key positions for them. So he's he's gone the full spectrum. It's probably yeah. why if you look at the signings he made for Leicester and helped build that team, you had your your Kante's, your Mares, who was your PFA Player of the Year, but he also went. And he'd been scouting Vardy for, for a number of years and had been keeping tabs on him when he was at Stockbridge, you see. Mm. So, the, the the word is, and the understanding from people I've been speaking to about him and, and his qualities is that he's established at Leicester this incredible network of scouts globally, but also in England. So, you know, they're keeping tabs on your Vardy's, etc., as well as your Mares yeah. in France and... Uh, Nobody's got a bad word to say about him, so it's it's, it's a really encouragement, uh, encouraging appointment. Did you think that um, you would expect to see 
our existing transfer targets, <laughs> whatever they are, you know, being gone off the last month. Do you expect them to still be in place? That those type like you know what happens if he comes in and says, "Oh, Seems you know, you've on him." I'm not sure about him. I've been watching him for a while. Did you think? Do you think yeah. that might come into play? It's an interesting point, yeah. Gal, because obviously Everton have been linked with Vitzel and Carvalho and players like that. Will they be linked, or will be be linked with different players? No, what do you think, Phil? Do you think? Or will will the Leicester players who we targeted? Will they come into fruition? Well, this this all goes back to a conversation we left out with Koeman because Ronald will go to him, look, I need a goalkeeper, I need a right-back, I want two centre-mids and I want a secondary striker. Now, he's already gone and got Musa from uh, Moscow at Leicester. So, yeah. they, so that could have been the prime target, the best of the bunch. So yeah. maybe we're going to have to start looking again or, as you say, well, we think we could spend a bit more so he goes and looks somewhere else. Um, might have Cashbush Michael's phone number in as well. He'd be a bit worried if he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got his contract as well, like, to be fair. But it's interesting because the other thing as well, with what we've spoken about on this podcast, is the director of football is not just about looking for transfer targets, isn't it? You know, it's, it's the type of oversight you've got at the yeah. club in terms of the yeah. academy and things. But he was like the that. assistant manager as well, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see because obviously there's been a lot of talk about, you know, some of our academy players, read what we've seen so far this this season in one game, look as though that they could be there or thereabouts around the squad. Mm-hmm. And it'd be interesting to see how that director of football mm-hmm. role, or as we fits in with that, you know, that liaison mm-hmm. between the academy and the, uh, you know, the. I mean, I, yeah, I wrote about it in, in Royal Blue Saturday, actually, that touch on that subject in the, the hope for me, you know, I assume every Evertonian would be, yeah, as much as. The owners and the investors now say, "Look, we've got the money and funds, and let's go and scout the best we can get." But there has to be that level of investment still in the academy, if not more. If you, you know, if the, if the money's there, let's try and bring our own through because that's what everybody wants at the end of the day. You want, you'd love eleven local lads yeah. in in the Everton shirt week in week out. Um, obviously, that's that's you know very unlikely, but as many as we can, and I think that. As much as the club is looking internationally and has got a global outlook now, you can't lose sight of, of what we've got locally and, and at Finch Farm. Greg, you wonder the thinking that the lack of transfers is solely down to what the Steve Walsh is coming to Evan? Do you think that's the sole reason? No, I think part of it is, you know, that, that piece I wrote earlier in the summer and similar things that Phil's wrote as well, that it's a combination of different things. The fact that Everton are operating in uncharted waters for them, and, and you know that all of a sudden they're having to deal at, at the the higher end of the market, and, and they're finding that's not quite straightforward. In some ways, it poses its own challenges that operating in the other end of the market yeah. did. But you know, there's there's bigger competitors for for players, there's bigger agents involved, bigger headaches, uh, and all sorts of intricacies and, and financial kind of uh, sort of loopholes to jump through mm. that. Just because you've got a lot of money doesn't mean it's automatically easier to spend it. Um, and then even now with the inflation of the market, I think it's it's harder than ever to get something approaching value. What I hope for from this appointment is that I think it's a sign from Mashiri that, and I'm quite heartened by it, really recognises that there's got to be room for like inverted commas value because he's not just going to say and sit there and go, I'm going to spend stupid money mm. on an array of expensive names like these marquee names that we've discussed mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah, he'll look to bring in a, you know, a marquee name, a bums off seat signing, but he's not going to just throw money at a string of them for the sake of it. He wants someone who can come in and identify someone who is, as Phil said, a good player, regardless of their fee, their background, 
uh, and that there will still be a semblance of value because what, what we've always tried to say about Mishiri is what we understand. Yeah, he's got huge, vast coffers compared to what we've had in the past, but he's not in the Sheikh Mansur or the Roman Abramovich mm. um, sort of feels, kind of yeah. region. So I'm, I'm heartened by it. And like I say, it's not the only reason why we haven't made signings. I think there was an understanding that, we, that they were going to let Koeman do his own thing. And we've all sort of, we've all thought that was the case. But now let's hope that they can click into gear because I do think it's important for all the kind of mitigation Everton needs to get, the, you know, not their acting gear, they're doing all they can, I don't mean it like that, but mm. they need to start getting some fresh faces in the squad. I, I think to be fair, we're not the only club, are we? We're trying to sign players at the moment, yeah. there's, there's, and that, that's part of the problem. It's not just like an issue for Everton, it's an issue for other clubs, and it? it's, it's like it's like buying a house, isn't it? Lying on other people to buy houses before you buy, buy yours, isn't it? You're yeah. insane. The reason, the reason, sorry, God. You know, all it takes is a couple of signings to take place, mm. and that's sort of like like a domino effect players start moving and on the back of that. And I think it's the it's the lack of activity in the transfer markets yeah. in Europe overall. Mm-hmm. Not just of like Everton not being able to sign players. I think know? it's worth it's worth noting, isn't it, that look Cooman's very comfortable with this director of football role. You know, he's worked under it everywhere he's been as a manager because he likes it because it allows him to devote most of his time to coaching. He doesn't have to worry about the de- the transfer, the dealings, the negotiations, the mm. scouting. And perhaps that's indicative of why we haven't signed anybody or only second, but we haven't moved as quick as we would have liked in the market because Koeman, he's got a new team to worry about. You know, he's he's, he's weighing up his squad, he's training, yeah. he's trying to get his methods and his style across because these are crucial weeks now, they're back in training. So he cannot devote as much time as, as a director of football as Steve Walsh will be able to, 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 to bring in players in. The reason I ask Greg that question is a lot of Evertonians are starting to panic because we're three and a half weeks away from the Tottenham game, first game of the season. Maybe I'm playing devil's advocate here, but we, we haven't got a goalkeeper. We've got an agent centre-half, Phil Jagielka. We've got a centre-half, every other centre-half that wants away. We've got... Tease Bacard and Gareth Barry looks as though they're becoming stale as a pair, in my opinion. And we've got a centre-forwards who's on the possibility of go, becoming elsewhere as well. So that's where Everton is concerned that the span of the team needs sorting straight away. And we're three weeks away from the start of the season. I think you're right. I think that's definitely understandable why fans are starting to get frustrated. And they're probably aware that the window, you know, annoyingly doesn't shut until some way into the season. So they're thinking, rightly, that you, know, you want to be facing Tottenham in a perfect world on that opening day with some semblance of, of your main men in. Now, with the best will in the world, it's going to be a challenge for Everton to have all, all the you've identified areas, Phil said specifically. They might end up needing half a dozen new faces still, I would say. Mm. Are they going to get them all in by, by the time, that, you know, the 13th of August? Probably not. I would, I would suggest it's probably... three and a half weeks away, isn't it? I mean, yeah, and the thing is, I equally wouldn't be... I am, you know, I share a degree of that kind of anxiety yeah. but equally that isn't completely alien to Koeman yes he's done the majority of his business in mid to late July but he has brought players in on deadline day I think Van Dijk was a deadline day I think Manny was a deadline day signing so I don't think he will be panicking yeah I mean it, it's it's more important to get the right player yes. isn't it than get the yeah. player yeah. than get a player for the Tottenham game isn't it that's no, I understand thing, that. that the, the right player yeah. may I, go elsewhere in the meantime. Yeah. That's my yeah. thought. But if, yeah, but it won't be for a lack of a decent offer. You know, Everton are not in a position now where there's only a select group of clubs that are probably going to 
blow them out of the water financially. Um, you know, Everton are going to make good offers now, aren't they? They're not going to be making well, but you know, yeah, promises yeah. Of, of of good days on the pitch. You know, financially they'll make good offers, and if the player says no, then well, I, just, they, I find it hard that they need to replace. I mean, it looks as though John Stone is going. We're three weeks away from the first game of the season. We haven't got a goalkeeper and a centre half who looks as though going to Manchester. City. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think that's baffling. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if. If you see Stecklenburg start yeah, the season, I, would, I think he'll start the season. If you, I think there's no. I don't think Cumin will be rushed into this, and Steve Walsh will be rushed into making this decision. Cumin, uh, quite markedly, you, could, you know, the significance of him getting Stecklenburg in on the day the window opened can't be overemphasised because he, he knew he was available, he knew he would come, and he knows him. So he'll have no problem with starting Stecklenburg. This is the lads that was at Fulham last year, um, Phil, and well, you Southampton, yeah, and he went to Fulham on loan. Is he going to do a job to, for us till August, um, till Christmas? Well, no, but nobody's saying anything about Christmas. Mm. He, he, by having Stecklenburg in, yeah. Cumin has given himself, what, the extra two week or whatever it is to the close of the window. Breathing space, hasn't it? Yeah. I, I think, sorry, it's interesting that the John Stones situation, we podcasted about it last yeah. week. Um, and Gav, I'll come to you because you didn't have managed to have your say last week. Um, but... The power dynamic of that transfer is interesting, isn't it? Because we've got a situation whereby Phil wrote a story last week, which was uh, that we understood that Stones wanted to have gone on pre-season with City, ideally. He wanted, he uh, wants to join them, he wants to leave, that's clear. It's black and white for him, he wants to leave Everton. St- um, City is his preferred destination. And ideally, from the player point, player's point of view, he wanted to be on this tour where they've gone to America. Well, they've already gone. That gave Everton a bit of power, I would suggest. Mm-hmm. Then there was a story in the Daily Mail last night which suggested that Everton want City to, you know, they, they want to get it sorted sooner rather than later. And I was thinking about this earlier. That kind of hands some power back to City because City mm-hmm. might go, well, we'll take, our, you we'll take our precious time. Yeah. Or if you want to get it sorted, then we suggest this price. Yeah. And it's a really kind of intricate minefield at the moment. Well, that, that just goes to point, really. Well, it's how difficult to buy players. Mm. Well, it's actually difficult to sell players as well. For the, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? For the, yeah. for the deal. It's never straightforward. The, the deal is not for, for the club that's buying. It's just as important for the club that's selling, isn't it, as yeah. well? So there's two things. I mean, regarding the Stones thing, I've got no problem if he goes, to be honest with you, if, if he wants to go for a, a, you know, a substantial fee of which, you know, £50 million pounds is being quoted. But, I mean, and, and I think that sounds an outlandish fee, but when you see some of the other figures that are being buying... You know, that that being going now. I mean, I, I, was, I was thinking about it last week. It's like the value of players now, it's like the value of property in London. It has no meaning at all, mm, does it? Yeah. You know, it's just it's just yeah. it's just a figure. Yeah. It doesn't put their value of whether they're any good or not. It's just what somebody's prepared to pay for that individual. Well, this is what I feel about Whitsley, you know. Yeah. I, I personally I have to say, for what it's worth, I'm looking at him and thinking, he's not re I'm not sure he's worth the money that they're talking about. So mm. I know you really rate him. Would he improve our team? Definitely. So I think you've got he, to look at every player that's get, that gets linked with us and, oh, he's not worth that money. Is he better than what we've got? And I've said it with every single player that we've been linked with. Is he better than what we've got? Of course he is. But is, is the, but, yeah, but is he the only one out there? No. That's what I'm no, talking. obviously, but you, you could say that about any player, couldn't you? It, is Lionel Messi out there? Obviously yeah. is. But the ones that we're getting linked with... Is he better than James McCarthy, Gareth Barry, Mo Bessage, Tom Cleverley? Of course he is. But is he worth money's no object? Is he worth anything? You name your price, Axel. No. 
I, I don't think it's just about whether they're better than what they, we've got at the moment. It's also whether they offer us something different to what we've got at the moment. Have we got well, a box like, to box midfield like him? I, I don't think we have. No. I mean, you, you wrote a piece. Tom Davis. You wrote a piece about <laughs> maybe in the yeah, future. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Phil wrote a piece about Ross. Was it last night? Was it mm, about saying yeah. about like you don't see Ross as a box to box midfielder? Well, I like that Ronald doesn't see. Yeah, him. yeah. and yeah. so like there's an obvious like thinking then that actually that's what we need. That Gaz is obviously not going to do that. James, I'm not sure whether. They, he has up the other end, at the far end of the yeah, pitch. Yeah. Um, and so that's probably something, it may not be better than what we've got at the moment, or just a little bit better, but actually he offers us something different. And I think that's just important, to be honest with you. Just going back to, just briefly on John Stones there, Greg, you, you said about obviously the, the powers with Man City now, but do you think from now till the end of August, John Stones' value will go down or increase? It's a good question. Well, on in terms of on the pitch... That can't affect it at the moment, can it? Because, you know, he clearly didn't play a minute in the Euros. Um, you would hope it's resolved before the season starts. This one that you would really want yeah. resolved before the season starts. So the only way his, his value can be, in my in my mind, significantly enhanced is if Everton managed to get an auction for him. Now, Chelsea look like they're looking elsewhere this summer. Yeah. You know, interestingly, they're linked with Koulibaly, we've been linked with as well, yeah. haven't they? So whether or not they retain an interest, I don't know. But whether he... Uh, well, it's clear he wants to go to City. So it would need someone like Barca or, dare I say, United. Someone else, they probably wouldn't because they've signed Bailly, haven't they? Mm. But that's the only way I can see his fee going up is, is if there's a, a bit of an auction. Is he back in training, John Stone? He came back, yeah. He was back in on Monday. So right? arguably, does he could play on Saturday against Barnsley. Yeah, I suspect he won't, but yeah, he could do. But going back to your point, though, when you said could his value go up or go down, what is his value? Well, he's been touted as around about the fifty million mark, hasn't he? That's that's the goal. I actually, maybe, but does his value is that not a perception from us outside of the actual inner circle of football? Now, if you're if we're saying right, he goes to Old Trafford on August the third, Rudy's testimony he's probably be on the telly. He hasn't been confirmed confirmed yet, but we think he probably will be. And he has a stormer against Ibrahimovic and and, and um, Martial. He just looks the business. Do Everton realistically hold any sway in negotiations with City? You, you know, we've been talking throughout the summer. Hmm. Look what he did there. Yeah. Does that really hold any weight? No. I'm not convinced it does. A perfect example of that is Pogba, isn't it? At the Euros, didn't do anything in the Euros. Yeah, yeah he's still quoted exactly. for a hundred million transfer. And he goes, oh, I didn't see anything in the Euros. Well, they're not buying him on the basis of yeah. four or five games in the yeah. summer. They're buying him on the basis of his Champions League performances and his Serie A performance. Probably in a similar vein, Lukaku yeah. or you know Witzel even again. Yeah. Wasn't brilliant at his moments, didn't he? Yeah, during, yeah. during the Euros. But. Yeah, I think with Stones, Lukaku and Pogba, you're buying into their potential, aren't you? Yeah. That's, what, that's what you're buying. Because I think they're all, well, I would imagine, well, 23. Around I mean, John's a yeah. year younger than Rom, isn't yeah, you think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So 22, 23. Um, so that you're buying, that's what you're buying. With Fitzel, who's a bit older, isn't he? I think is he probably twenty seven, twenty eight, something yeah, like that. Yeah. You know, um, with Fitzel, slightly different. So that's why you you paying big money. I mean, but it just it just means just you know when you see like some of the you know Bernardum who cost what was it twelve, thirteen million? Fourteen and a half, yeah. I think. Yeah. His value sort of like they want double yeah. in twelve months for the team that was like relegated to two respect last season. Yeah, well. Yeah. Well, what's the the rationale behind that? Yeah, With yeah. ten or eleven goals, all at St James's Park. Now, I'm not I'm not uh, 
picking on him, but I it's agree. just it just shows you. And I, I said that tonight to start of summer, and we we all agreed that the transfer market this summer is just going to be. Is, we said in May going to be completely different to any transfer market we've ever seen before. The reasons and, behind and that, Gavis, though, because football clubs know that other football clubs want the player A and B, know they've got the yeah. money. And they've Every got, football club's got the money. I know because of the new Premier League deal, and it's not just, as I said here, it's in new, new TV deals in the Bundesliga and the league, give them more, more spending power. And... You know, and that's you've got to throw that into the mix about why we've not bought players. It's it's the competition, and when you see like clubs linked with players, you finish in the bottom half of the table in Premier League, like not just ourselves for thirty million quid. You know, you always see yeah. deals, don't you? The market comes into life towards the end of the window, inevitably. And take away the machinery factor. If you look at the clubs that we've depressingly enough been competing with in, in the last couple of seasons, your Stokes, dare I say, your West Broms, but that you know, let's yeah, be yeah, realistic, yeah, yeah, yeah. they haven't done much business either. And, and Stoke aren't short of a few quid. Relatively speaking, neither of West Brom, because they've all got the broadcast income, don't forget. Stoke have got a wealthy benefactor, maybe not as wealthy as ours, which is such but a great thing to say, but... You know. they, they don't need a goalkeeper. They won't need a centre-half. They, Fair enough. Yeah, Fair enough. enough. We they, need they've yeah. got players in place from last season. Everton's a totally Probably different this summer. Fair good point. point. It's yeah. a fair point. Do the thing I sort of kind of wanted to touch on there with uh, when I was talking about you forgot your best line when you said Everton have pinched the champions assistant manager. Yeah. And for me, that's something to reflect on as well. It just must be, it's, it's got to be more than just money because I'm sure that I can't pronounce the name, but the, the, um, the tie is a bit rusty after last, two years ago, we were, uh, three, three nights in Bangkok covering that one-off game against Leicester. Um, I can't pronounce it, but obviously hugely wealthy, buoyed by the unprecedented title success. He'd signed a new contract in May, yeah. two months ago. What's made him, as well as, obviously money must be a huge factor, what else has made him scrap all that and come to the North West? It's, it's fascinating. Well, he's, one is that he will be the director of football. He's head of recruitment, isn't he, at Leicester? He's not the director but of football. He's assistant manager, manager, manager at Leicester. Yeah, joint he? assistant manager. Oh, joint assistant manager, Yeah, yeah. yeah. They've, got, they've got Shakespeare in Not assistant to the... No, but he's still, he's still a key man at that yeah. football. Yeah. Oh, yeah, was. don't get me wrong, yeah. but I think there's a feeling... And, and I'm not absolutely not putting words in his mouth or, or anything like that. But there's a feeling from people you speak around that it might be kind of I've maybe done what I can do here type of thing. You know, I've I've built a team that's won the league. You know, is it possible to rebuild them again and do it yeah. again? Well, maybe this is an exciting challenge. It'll be closer to his. You know, he was born in Chorley. I think he's still got family around there, so he's closer to home. Could be bigger um, pressure on him though at Everton now. No pressure on him. I've done the business well, this last, time last year. Now he's going to be expected to get the sign. Yeah, sorry, sorry. sorry, just this time last year, outside of the Midlands, say, and the, and the actual business itself of football, very few average football fans knew who he mm. was. Now all of a sudden, his transfer is getting talked about on Sky Sports. Yeah, 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 pressure, yeah, yeah. pressure on him now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that, that's the point we say is before. So it's a completely different role in terms of expectation at Leicester or is it Everton? I know you said about at Chelsea being involved in players, but you're not the decision maker there, are you? Yeah. Like you, but you are at Everton, and it just struck me. And, and this, this is what this 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 summer has shown as well, is that um, football is no longer the game where success is geared around like the manager and the eleven players or eighteen players mm-hmm. on match days on the pitch. Like and, and getting that base, it's you know, and it's 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 a it's a whole team effort of the team behind the manager, mm. isn't it? And like the transfers of them now are getting just as much or a more yeah. important value in terms of like 
media time and sort of yeah. all that type of stuff than, than what players are. In fact, they appear to be gaining even more important than transferring players, you know, and, yeah. and, and that just shows how the game's changed even yeah. over the last couple of years. And that's a really interesting point. It was occurred to me before. It's funny when something changes, then you get used to a new system, and obviously we haven't got used to it yet. It's barely even fully in place, but I guess people will wonder how Everton lived without it. And what fascinates me is, like, you think back to 2013, 14 season when Martinez came in, finished fifth. He came in. Now, yeah, he did inherit the team that, you know, he still had the stability in Moise, and he had a lot of those key roles that we've spoken about that we yeah. haven't got really at the moment. Yeah. It's still in place. But nevertheless, he was a, uh, an autocrat, really, at Everton. He demanded that he did everything, and he somehow managed to find the time with Kevin Reeves to do the transfer dealings and bed in a new style. And by the way, this isn't some sort of glorious revisionism. Yeah, Martin, yeah, absolutely, it? Yeah. It, it, was, it was crap in a nutshell <laughs> yeah. towards the end. But it impresses me in a way and also interests me. And Moyes, for 11 years, demanded that he was the only man, really. So he must have put so much time and effort Ooh. into doing one half of it. Because let's face it, it yeah. it's not even... I'd say it's coaching the team. It must be 40% of your job if you're doing it on your own. I think that's Less. An, yeah, that's an old school type of way of thinking and football's moved on from that. I remember speaking to me dad when we were first linked with Monchi. I said, Dad, we're getting the same football director of football to help us with the signs. Yeah. Well, you don't need that. You just have the manager making these decisions and that's it. Alex Ferguson wouldn't have that. Matt Busby wouldn't have that. And he went on. Bill Shant said, football's gone from that. And I was yeah. like, yeah, you've got to realise that the manager needs as much help as possible. The manager doesn't single him making decisions anymore. He needs help. And those... those- those managers from the past that you mentioned all created kind of dynasties and yeah. for a long time. Money that's coming to football as means that patience isn't a virtue anymore, is it? You know, yeah. if you do not deliver, then you'll be moved on. And that's why creating a director of football, a club appointment, not yeah. a managerial appointment, a director of football who'll be there for the long haul, he'll bring his own scouts in, means that a turnover of head coach slash manager is an easier transition because what we found with Moyes to Roberto is it's a full kind of Wiping the slate clean, yeah, and like, and this is part of the problem now. Why signings, etc., haven't happened as fast as we would have liked is because they haven't started again. Yeah. And so you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a big overhaul, isn't I, it? I think it's a good point. I mean, and I think what it is, it's 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 down to the owner, isn't it? It's 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 down to the the power. Who's got the power of the football club? Is it the manager and or the owner? And like, and those those people you talk about, that okay? I mean. Boards were powerful, but they tended to have like a lot more power. Or we you know with autocrats, mm. and I think the director of football role, it gives that power back to the the owner, doesn't it? Yeah, to yeah, to hide it, and yeah. it, it dilutes the power mm. of the manager. And I think that's one of the reasons why owners like them. To be honest with you, because it stops some of the manager becoming all powerful. I mean, you yeah. might that's one of the things like at Man United when Mourinho comes in. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that works compared to like what Mourinho's had previously. Yeah. I know he said Real Madrid was was was. was was uh, could be quite nasty, and I think that's one of the it, 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 it's that owner manager thing, mm. and I think you get away with it years ago because the manager was all powerful. You can't get away with it now when the owner's got like yeah, billions. Power, yeah. I, I like to think if, if Walsh is a success, and, and I'm erring on the positive side here, if it's a su- successful transition and he becomes just as influential and brilliant at his job on May's side as he was in the Midlands, maybe the days of Everton always perennially dragging their feet. Finding a way to cock up a transfer if they could, missing out on targets, getting zumped on big names, players coming in and going when they realise they have to pay tax. All this litany of things over the years which has led to fans throwing their hands up in frustration. We can never do it simply. 
maybe it'll be a thing of the past mm-hmm. and maybe Everton will start smoothly as, as much as you can in the modern game getting deals done bringing in big names bringing in still the hidden gems which, yeah. which is always a big part of what yeah. Everton were about and maybe part of that whole Mersey millionaire kind of ethos in the 60s when they were attracting the big mm-hmm. names and transfers you know, seemingly happened a lot easier than they do now You'll briefly get to going on to Saturday Barnsley is a um... Donald Koeman's first professional game in charge of yeah. Everton. Well, Do you yeah. see any of the Euro 2016 players being involved? I, I can't really see them being extensively involved. I'm imagining it'll be similar to what it was against the Czech side. Mm. Uh, Jaromba, is it Jaromba? Jablonech. Jablonech, yeah. <laughs> my, my Czech is about to go to the tie, really. Jablonech. So, you, I mean, look, they've got to start Everton a kind of lagging behind a little bit on the pre-season schedule. It, I was going it to feels say, like Liverpool have had about half a dozen games. Does it concern you that Everton's pre-season, the way it's gone? Uh, well, it, I'd like to say benefit out for Koeman. He seems that he's going to be far kind of tougher in demand than a certain level of fitness. Um, the players have been back for a similar amount of time as they have been at Liverpool. They've just had less games. Games are the important thing as well and, and they don't have to worry about like qualifying for any Europe or anything like that. So, Thankfully, after Saturday, the schedule picks up. It's Saturday, Tuesday, uh, Friday, Saturday, and then it rolls into them and it'll build momentum. And maybe it'll be, you know, maybe Liverpool are playing too many games early. I don't know. That's a, the perspective I see because we think, would share an office with yeah, the yeah, yeah. I think, I think the, the, the difference with Everton is it's a new manager, it's a new philosophy. He wants to have a closer look. And, you know, if, he'd, if, if Everton had as many games as Liverpool have at this point, then maybe you can't get an actual feel for the players because it's 45 minutes on, it's 45 minutes off. You know, it, I, I'm, I'm fairly relaxed about it, to be honest. I think I think Koeman will have utilised that two weeks on the training ground. Obviously, they spent them doing double treble sessions in Austria. I think it probably feels right to me. But To be fair, on the flip side of that, I think Klopp wasn't happy with Liverpool's standards where you do a play, and I think they played a Wigan team. I think it was the third team because the first team played Manchester United two or three days um, earlier. Which Everton, interestingly, I think the Czech team were already five or six games into their pre-season or their season. So it was interesting Everton picked them teams. I have to say my only slight concern is that given that we start the season with a tall order really at Tottenham, at Goodison, I'm not blown away by the quality of our opponents in pre-season. I have to say, Mm. United aside... I think it's fairly fair to Midland. You know, yeah. Espanyol didn't pull up any trees in La Liga. Um, Betis, likewise. Dre- Dynamo Dresden, I couldn't tell you where they finished in, in the Bundesliga. Mm. Um, I think he got promoted. They've come up on, on the crest of the yeah. wave, but they were in the, in the tier below the Bundesliga. So, again, other clubs in and around the city have got much more high-profile fixtures. I suppose it's a whole different debate about really how much pre-season matter beyond... Getting a chance to get you know game mm. minutes into legs and, and get players fit, but we're not really facing the highest standard. I would argue. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, does that really matter? I mean, it's, it, to me, and let's just say this is something we quite patently failed to do a couple of years ago in 2014, which is let's face a bit of a nightmare. It's pre-season, not just playing. It's the whole package of proper training and proper preparation, games at the right time, isn't it? Mm. If you get that right. It yeah. doesn't really matter who you play in the games, as long as it's all part of a structured plan. Well, I mean, in fairness, yeah, I think you're yeah. right, and just touching on yeah. that, sorry to interrupt, but you've just reminded me when I was joking before when we went to Thailand in 2014. They flew all that way, played one game and flew all the yeah. way back. Maybe this, this sort of steady kind of 
you know, low build of this summer will I, I suit just think, I just think it's doing right. You mean I don't think I don't think you can you can uh, have a great Premier League season on the back of a, a good pre-season, but you can certainly have a bad Premier League season on the back of a mm. bad pre-season. You know, which happens. Which I mean, without going back over, you know, putting the knife into the previous manager. I mean, to me, I don't think he ever recovered from the 2014 pre-season. Never stole mm. the momentum from the previous year. It was lost completely. Never ever got it back. And that was how not to do pre-season. Because it was all like ad hoc last minute things, and we ended up playing at Tranmere, didn't we? I think and stuff yeah, did, last yeah. But at least this, we've got a schedule of games, and we've got a training plan, and our players come back at the right time and stuff. So I've not got a problem who we really play in that context, as long as that's done in a coordinated manner, which it appears to be. Diff- and I, I wonder how much you can actually look into it because if you think about last summer, Arsenal and Stoke out in Singapore, Villarreal and Duncan Sestimono, and then we were woeful for sixty minutes against yeah. Watford. So yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah. You know, obviously we then recovered, beat Southampton, and had a fairly decent start to the season. But you know, does it actually matter in the end? Briefly, I'm going to ask you a question on. We're just talking upon pre-season. Uh, Romelu Lukaku's been at his uh, extended holidays, hasn't he? Yeah. Each question is Ronald Koeman right to give him the extended break after the Euros? Greg, you can go first. It's a good question. I think that. Normally, I would say no, uh, because I think, if anything, he's a player who needs to start getting getting switched on, needs mm. to start getting fitter, needs to start getting more focused on the things he doesn't do as well as the things he does well. He needs to start pulling his weight effectively. However, given the amount of games he's played that last season, he played almost every game yeah. for Everton and then played in the Euros to a half-decent stage, really, with Belgium. And, you know, I, I don't really think that an extra four or five days of unwinding time is the end of the world um, it's annoying in a sense because yeah. he's, he's made himself no friends on Merseyside this yeah. summer uh, certainly the way he's gone about it has irritated and irked me as much as I'm sure all of the Blues is it the end of the world not really but I can understand why people are pissed off Gareth you've just been talking about preparation yeah. now your main focal point isn't part of your pre-season already so is yeah, Ronald Koeman right to give him that extends it's, a good, it's, a good, it's a good question. Um, the, the thing about these things is you don't know what the deal is, do you? You don't know, like, I'll give you four or five days off, but actually when you come back, you're going to be doing, doing a lot this, more this, than what you would normally do, I mean, you know what I mean? So, Rom, he's been pictured doing sprints. Yeah. Paul Pogba, hasn't he? So he's not sitting on his... Yeah, sprints to the bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, isn't, he isn't going to be putting photos on Instagram with yeah. the so, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know many uh, tracks that have got bars that you go to. <laughs> I tell you, give him his due. When he they were on that sort of extravagant night out in Vegas, he was the designated driver. By the looks, he's been he, pitches with Paul Pogba as well, hasn't he? Playing basketball in Florida. Yeah. So I, mean, I don't know. I mean, as long I think there's always deals behind these things, and I would imagine be I want you a certain length, of, you know, certain level of fitness by. You know, a certain date. You can have your four or five days off, but your your whole fitness schedule then, yeah. when you come back, has to be to getting like ninety percent fit by the end, yeah. of, you know, end put, of July or something. And put it this way, you know, England went out on the twenty seventh of June, and it was like four or five days later, Belgium went out. But were we moaning four days, you know, middle of last week that John Stones and Ross Barkley weren't back? 
Mm. Uh, nobody was moaning. So it's the same thing. You just I understand you're getting closer to the start of the season, but he still needs the same amount of rest as them. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's that. It's the requirement for rest. Yes. But I do share what Tony's saying. And as Mal posed the question, I'll let him <laughs> <laughs> finish the podcast. I, I, I don't think he should have been given the extensive break. I think he should have been in there when the when all the other players came back from the Euros. No different from anyone else, regardless. I think when when I seen the pictures of Ronald Koeman addressing the players. Earlier on last week, I think, and he was obviously trying to translate his plans on how they're going to play, and obviously how he plays the game. There was no your main focal point wasn't there to be seen, which is going to be interesting. He's going to have to catch up on them when obviously when Ron comes back. So I wouldn't have given the extended break at all. I was I think he should have been there with the rest of the players. There you just, got it. You yeah. just have to ask you, man. Well, yeah, we know what was. We <laughs> <laughs> just say that that miss, or when you hit the post, oh, it was just felt, felt for him. Felt for him. It, the run beforehand reminded me of the footage we saw, the, the unpredictable mm. kind of a yeah. bit mad footage yeah. with the yeah. goals he scored for Locomotive Moscow. I, I'll, I'll give him this. He looks fitter than he did at the end of last season, definitely. I've seen the picture there, the, the Everton players were training last year and he was at the back of the players' gear on the, the bunch of hey, them and he was blowing. I, sp- I spent my junior football career at the back of everyone. That's debatable. All right, well, thanks for listening. Um, we're, as we say, we're hoping things will begin. We said this last week, so <laughs> hoping things will begin to speed up. They won't. It's all going to happen on August the 12th. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.